Coming up, new information on the Russia probe as the president cancels his summit with Vladimir Putin and a new hate crime bill being proposed at the State House. We'll talk with the lawmaker behind that proposal about some of the potential pitfalls. Plus, the debate over medical marijuana and Indy's plan to fight climate change. It's all ahead on this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, everyone. I'm Bob Donaldson in for Dan Spieler today. More developments in the Mueller probe with a lot of speculation about what might happen next. This week, the president's former lawyer pleading guilty, admitting he lied to Congress about some of the Trump organization's dealings with Russia. The president reacted by calling Michael Cohen a weak liar who's just trying to stay out of jail. What he's trying to do, because he's a weak person and not a very smart person, what he's trying to do is end, and, and it's very simple, he's got himself a big prison sentence, and he's trying to get a much lesser prison sentence by making up a story. Now, here's the thing. Even if he was right, it doesn't matter, because I was allowed to do whatever I wanted during the campaign. I was running my business, a lot of different things, during the campaign. So very simply, Michael Cohn is lying and he's trying to get a reduced sentence for things that have nothing to do with me. This news broke the same day the president decided to cancel his scheduled summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin. We'll have much more coming up on this later this morning. We're also following the latest developments from the State House and the new push for hate crime legislation in Indiana. This week, a Republican state representative released draft legislation that would create a statewide hate crime statute. State Representative Tony Cook crafted the bill with the input of prosecutors, judges, and interest groups. It would mean harsher sentences for hate crimes. This proposal would cover victims targeted because of their gender identity, which could be a point of contention with some Republican lawmakers who oppose that. Lawmakers will consider the proposal when the 2019 legislative session starts in January. Indiana is currently one of five states without a hate crime statute. If we don't do it this session, then I say shame on us. It affects all of us, right? It, the result of this and how the discussion takes place affects every Hoosier. And if this is a big knockdown, drag out, RIFRA-esque uh, discussion, it is not going to help anyone. And everybody's going to go to their corner and stand firm. Speaker Bosma there expressing some reservations about the potential debate ahead on this issue. I'm joined now by the author of that bill, State Representative Tony Cook. Tony, thank you very much for joining us. First, I have to get you to uh, react to what we heard uh, Mr. Bosma just say. Do you agree that there are some challenges in getting this, this legislation passed? Oh, there are definitely some challenges, but I think uh, people are ready to come together on these issues and try to find something in the middle of the sandbox that we can all live with and be proud of to move us off of that list um, where we don't have any type of hate crime whatsoever. So um, that's my goal, is to, is to find that good common ground. Um, you know, it's not about the same aspects of RIFRA. It's about crimes against individuals and groups. And uh, I think that's a huge thing. It's not about First Amendment. Um, you can hate thought all you want, but if you don't act upon those, um, you're not going to have any issue with what 
we are trying to forge in this hate crime bill. The draft legislation, as you proposed, it does include gender identity, and that is something that's been a sticking point for some members of your own party. Why did you feel it was important to put gender identity at least in the draft legislation? Well, first of all, I think it's, it's, it's good to start out with the all-inclusive aspect of this bill. And I think seeing the, the heightened issues that we've had around the country, as well as within our own state, it's a time to send a strong message that we're not going to tolerate hate and bigotry towards any groups of individuals or groups of people. So um, I thought it was important to include it. A lot of people missed the fact that in the RIFRA fix that was alluded to there, that was included to have that pass. So uh, we already have it in, in some three separate areas. I'm trying to bring it all together in one code. How much room for compromise is there in this bill? You talk about finding some place in the middle of the sandbox. What do you mean by that? Well, first of all, I am a, a cooperative, compromising type person, and I want to reach across aisles also and try to find those common grounds. So in that process, there's going to be folks probably press amendments against certain aspects of this bill. Um, the, in, in the initial foray, I will try to beat those down because I think it does need to stay in intact as, as possible, uh, addressing those groups we know have had uh, hate crimes committed against them. However, you know, I'd rather get something also across that finish line so that we do get a hate crime bill. So there's always uh, that aspect that you may have to compromise certain things. But I'm starting out, I hope not to compromise any that's in this bill as written. Well, let's talk about that some more. Is it more important to get hate crime legislation on the books, or is it more important to get the right hate crime legislation on the books? Well, I personally think it's, it's to get the right hate bill on the books. Uh, and several of those states that already have those hate crime bills are looking at now to include a little more of the inclusive aspect that you mentioned uh, right off of the the bat is the gender identity and the sexual orientation. So uh, I'm hopeful that we can begin there and end there. What are the stakes here? Indiana still being only one of a handful of states, as you know, that has no hate crime legislation. How does that reflect on our state? Well, I think, uh, again, there's some commonality interests there uh, with both sides of this issue that we want to be seen as a state that's inclusive, that's accepting. We, we want to encourage locations of businesses. We, we are, we're all about economic development on our side to bring good paying jobs. To do that, you certainly have to emphasize that you're an inclusive uh, state and that you're not going to tolerate again that hatred and bigotry that we have been seeing. We only have a few seconds left. How optimistic are you going into this process uh, in January? Well, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to get something. I, I think I've talked to enough individuals and groups and coalitions uh, who are representative of uh, several aspects of the state, uh, both in the business world and in the social world. And uh, I feel very confident that uh, the numbers are starting to, to be there, that we can get something passed that people are proud of. Representative Tony Cook, thanks for joining us today on In Focus. Thank you, Bob. Up next, another topic the legislature could address this year, medical marijuana. We'll tell you why there could be some major roadblocks. 
Also ahead, our panel talks about this week's top stories, including those latest developments in the Mueller probe with the president's former lawyer pleading guilty for lying to Congress. Now to bring in our panel, Tim Swarns is a columnist with the, our partners at the Indy Star, Tony Samuel, vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign in 2016, and Christina Hale, the former state lawmaker and candidate for lieutenant governor. We're going to start with that latest news on the Russia probe. The president's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, admits he lied to Congress about when discussions were ongoing about building a Trump Tower in <coughs> Moscow. So the question is, how significant are these developments? Tony, I'll start with you not at all significant. They explored building a Trump Tower in Moscow at some point, years before the campaign started and, and discussions continued at some point into the campaign, but the president at the time candidate had every right to do so, didn't break any laws, no proof of collusion there. Something changed in, in Michael Cohen's testimony on the dates, so looks like he lied. But for what reason, we don't know. E either way, it wouldn't have mattered. The president hadn't done anything wrong. Well, the, the, Michael Cohen said that he lied because he wanted to keep the political messaging straight from the, uh, the White House. But why would he go ahead and lie about these dates? I mean, because of the, the, the appearance of being in the middle of the campaign while still having these talks ongoing? Uh, he, he must have been confused. He looks like somebody that... Um, you know, for his own reason, uh, thought something needed to be said differently, but it looks like it didn't need to at all. It just doesn't matter. The, the special prosecutor, again, is finding things to indict folks for uh, in their testimony that changes because of his questioning, or he's going back in time uh, much uh, way before the campaign and finding other uh, tax evasion problems or other crimes that these individuals committed that have nothing to do with the campaign. I can remember when President Clinton uh, committed perjury and Republicans said it was a very big deal and it was. Um, th this is not hitting the president yet, but it's hitting people very close to the president, people he's had longtime ties with. Cohn was uh, President Trump's attorney for a long time and now he, the president is saying that he's not very bright. and. And, and all these things, well, the, uh, the president hired a not very bright attorney and kept him on his payroll for, for years. If nothing else as well, and I have to echo that, Tim, you know, this is a president who has claimed that his superpower is talent. He knows how to hire. He's going to have the most talented, um, experienced, fantastic uh, team working in Washington than ever before. They churn and burn, they cycle through, and there certainly seems to be a thread where ethics is at question. When people are even being indicted federally, that is um, nothing but uh, of great concern. Well, the Cohen case yesterday is not a smoking gun. I don't think anybody is saying that. But it is another incident, isn't it, Tony, that um, when looked at as a whole with Michael Flynn and some of the other examples that we have, that if there's no fire, boy, there's certainly a lot of smoke. Well, uh, there's smoke. I don't think it's a genuine um, uh, anything to worry about, genuinely anything to worry about for the president. You've got prosecutors that are really just on a rampage, have gone rogue. They're, they're looking at folks, uh, uh, putting pressure on them, finding things in, in their past, like in Michael Cohen's case uh, with, with taxi cabs in New York and tax evasion, and then putting the squeeze on them to then change their story, whether it's big or small. In this case, it sounds very small. 
uh, to save them from getting a stiffer sentence on something that they could be charged with that had, again, nothing to do with the president or the campaign All right, or I wanna, collusion. I want to move on to some more local topics as well. Much more to come on Michael Cohen and the uh, Mueller investigation. Who knows when the Mueller investigation will, will finally be wrapped up. Meantime, at the State House legislation, now one month of the session, one month away, Governor Eric Holcomb has said that he will support hate crime legislation this year. You heard our interview with the bill's author earlier. Obviously, we've seen a number of incidents this year, anti-Semitic vandalism, other issues that have put this in the news. Um, where is all of this headed at the State House, Christina, I mean, uh, how hopeful are you that, that hate crime legislation will come out of this session? I'm very hopeful that we will have a bill that passes and is signed by the governor. But to your earlier point, I think it's got to be the right bill. I don't want to see it watered down. If we have a, a law that's protecting people from hate crimes, it should be protecting all. So I think not only do we start at a high bar, a very inclusive bar, but we have to stay there, or what good is it? Well, opponents would say, Tim, that, that is there really, is it necessary to have a specific hate crime bill because judges have the, the, the authority to include things like race and, and, and discrimination in their sentencing? Do we need a hate crime bill? We do, and I, you know, I would go back to what happened at the synagogue in Carmel this summer. Uh, the federal authorities stepped in, and, and there were federal charges brought. But, but right now, we do have some gaps in our law when things like vandalism occurs, and it's, it's not minor vandalism. This is these are hate-filled messages that are intended to scare and intimidate people, groups of people. And we need to stand against that as a state. Well, Tony, do you think that it's going to come down to which groups are included in this legislation and why? Well, I think, um, it, first of all, I think it's, it's great that we're having the discussion. I think it's great that, that Representative Tony Cook is, is, uh, is introducing legislation and that, that this is going to be debated. It needs to be. There's still a lot of folks that don't understand the nuances uh, of the various issues involved. Um, I think what Speaker Bosma said in your, in your mm -hmm. piece earlier, that if everyone uh, is, isn't going to be willing to compromise, you're going to have people go back to their corners, things fall apart. We see this all the time, and unfortunately, in, in the uh, legislature, I think it would be wise for folks to be more open-minded and willing to just get a good start this session and add to it, which they said earlier that other states are doing. It's going to be one of the issues that we'll be following very, very closely. Another issue that could come up this session, facing some big roadblocks already. We're talking about medical marijuana. Today, our Matt Smith takes a closer look. There is a big push across the country from both voters and lawmakers. But here in Indiana, still skepticism. Michigan is preparing to light up. I think it's a great idea. I'm so glad it happened. Making Michigan the first state in the Midwest to legalize recreational use. The interest is tremendous. This is a work in progress. But in Indiana, that conversation is far off. What advocates are about to push with a renewed force is marijuana for medical use. This is a people issue. I mean, there are no labels on this. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, rich, poor, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, it doesn't matter. 33 states have legalized medical marijuana, putting Indiana in the minority. And some top Republicans we've now learned want to keep it that way, posing a potentially huge roadblock for legalization. I'm not a fan personally because I think it leads directly to rec recreational marijuana. Uh, and I just don't think that's a positive step for young people in our states. Added to that, any legislation would need Governor Eric Holcomb's signature. Now, medical 
um, regulated properly. I'm open-minded about that if it's done correctly, but we're not there as a state, and I certainly don't agree with the hodgepodge effort um, for states to say we're just going to go ahead and do it. Veterans groups are preparing to push hard at the state house. I've talked to everybody except the governor. You know, the governor's kind of got his head in the sand, and he'll come out and say that, um, you know, I'm trying to get drugs off the street, not put more on. Well, our philosophy is we're trying to get them off the street and get them into our medicine cabinet. Okay, Tim, I'll start with you. Why, with 33 other states approving medical marijuana, why does it seem so unlikely that Indiana is going to do something like that? Well, uh, we're one of five states that doesn't have a hate crimes legislation. We, we tend to be late in the queue, whatever the issue is. Um, it does make it much harder, I think, to, to remain, uh, to keep the resistance going because so many other states are moving in this direction. And, and Michigan has gone full force and has legalized recreational marijuana. Uh, there's going to be a lot of marijuana flowing across that border into Indiana. Uh, whether you like it or not, the world is changing. Um, and I don't think we can be an island onto ourselves for very much longer. Tony, is it a fair argument to say that, that medical marijuana will lead to recreational use? I, I think it's a fair argument. I mean, um, when you think about what you tell your kids, you, you tell your kids don't do something just because everybody else is doing it. Just because the other states are, are adopting this doesn't mean that we have to without studying it more, without looking at all the ramifications. The last time I was in Colorado, I saw a lot of folks, and you, you heard about it from people you talked to there, that were, uh, came, to, came to Denver uh, because of uh, mm -hmm. it being legal, and now they're homeless, now they're on the streets. Young people that maybe don't have a way back home, don't have a way out. So, and I, I would disagree that uh, Governor Holcomb has his head in the sand. He sounded very reasonable to, to, what, uh, to, to me looking at studying the medical benefits and if there's a way to do it properly. Yeah, but Christina, don't those veterans make some really, really good arguments about they believe that medical marijuana can help their condition directly? Absolutely. And let's not forget the opioid crisis in this state. Um, we do need other medications to help people who truly need pain relief, relief from issues like um, epilepsy, cancers, other things like that. Now, I grew up on the Michigan-Indiana border in northwest Indiana. I could walk to Michigan in five minutes from my childhood home. It will come across. This is a problem that we're going to have to deal with sooner rather than later. So it's not good enough just to say, uh, let's wait, let's study it. It's happening. It's here. It's Illinois. It's Michigan. It's Ohio. We're going to have to deal with this. Yeah, and, and that's an excellent point. I, I'm not personally very comfortable with legalizing marijuana. I think there are dangers with it, but we have, to, we have to look at the world we live in today, and you're absolutely right. Michigan, Illinois, Ohio are all moving in this direction. It's going to affect Indiana. Why not have the conversation up front and, and make some, take some steps that we can think through before we get behind the curveball once again on an issue. And today, I mean, think about it. People are buying CBD oil for their dogs every day at the grocery store. I mean, it's hard to even, I go to buy a smoothie and they ask me if I want a CBD boost in it. You know, it's, it's happening, it's here. And if that's not a glide path, you know, in terms of medical usage, I don't know what is. And of course, CBD oil, though, being very, very different than the medical marijuana that we're talking about as far as the, the chemical makeup and the, the effects of each one. All right, well, let's go ahead and talk. Up next, we're going to be talking about politics of climate change and Indiana's ambitious plan to make our cities air cleaner. Don't go away. Indianapolis just released a first-of-its-kind plan to address climate change here in the Hoosier State. The city's plan has been in the works for more than a year, but it comes at a time when the politics of climate change are also making news. 
Matt Smith has more. And now we have clear indication of where we're seeing the greatest emissions. Katie Robinson knows this report inside and out. A more than a year-long project, the report lays out dozens of ambitious goals to make Indianapolis carbon neutral by 2050. The big focus areas are going to be on our buildings and transportation sectors. In coming years, scientists predict hotter summers, more precipitation and severe flooding in Indiana. To combat that, the city is proposing new green standards for new buildings in the city. 20% of the city's energy to come from renewable sources by 2025 and to increase the number of electric vehicles and buses. We're all in this together. We all have to, to make some adjustments in our daily lives. The plan comes just days after a new federal report outlined dramatic economic consequences to climate change nationwide, a prediction President Trump said he doesn't believe. Yeah, I don't believe it. No, no, I don't believe it. Indianapolis has just received $2.5 million from Bloomberg Philanthropies to help implement its plan, part of a $70 million nationwide effort to help cities like Indy go it alone. I would say that there has been consistent science um, related to the topic of climate change and it is the responsibility of cities at this point to roll up their sleeves and get to work. We're back with this week's winners and losers right after this. So time now for this week's winners and losers. Tim, I'll start with you. Winner number one, Representative Tony Cook for taking a lead on hate crimes legislation in the General Assembly. Winner number two, Todd Young for taking a lead in the Senate on the genocide in Yemen. Two winners as well, State Representative Tim Brown, Ways and Means Chairman, making a great comeback from his motorcycle accident, and he'll be co-chair of the Ways and Means Committee this session. Also, the Colts, uh, my son and I know, went to the game against the Dolphins last week. Andrew Luck and the Colts having a great streak, great comeback for Andrew Luck. Comeback failure of the year, I think, yeah? yeah. All right, Christina. Well said, both of you. Um, winner, Kristen Jones, a new yeah. candidate for City County Council who had more than 200 people sign up to walk for her, uh, her announcement. Um, and I don't know what this means, but it's a, an assembly of the Bond villains. Vladimir <laughs> Putin giving a big high five to the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia at the G20. Thank you all for yeah. joining us. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back here again next week.